Hello. Okay. Oops. I just put my thumb right in the middle of my glasses. You're going, you all look so wrinkled. Oh, no, that's my thumbprint. Okay. <laughs> and I gave my, my study to my friend who drove me here, and now it's, I forgot to put it back in order. Okay. Oh, no. We better stop to pray again. I'm so confused. <laughs> okay. Oh, two waters. Great. <laughs> I'm going to take one sip. Hi, everybody, again. <laughs> we'll start over again. How's that sound? Oh, Lord, thank you so much for bringing us here tonight. We are so fortunate. We are so blessed that you worked everything out so that however busy or whatever it was our day was like, oh, God, we've come to a safe place where we can really just let go of everything and sit at your feet and whatever there has been, whether it's been plaguing us or worrying us or whatever, God, oh, we can let it all go and look up into your eyes of love and just say, you alone have the words of life, and I need them tonight. Speak them to my heart. Holy Spirit, just plant them deep within my heart, because you alone know my needs. And so I sit here. Help me to receive them. Be glorified in my life, for truly I have no one but you. In Jesus' name, amen. So tonight, you know, Trudy said, what would you like to speak on? And she gave three subjects. And, of course, the one I wanted to speak on, she said, oh, I forgot. Someone's already taken that one. And so I went, oh, okay, well, I'll do holy. You know, because I thought to myself, I haven't spoken on, on holiness in so long that I thought, gee, I'll do that. Um, and little did I realize what a wonderful subject it was going to be. Um, because I couldn't think of a definition of holiness right off the top of my head. And whenever I can't think of a definition of something, I think, oh my goodness, it's been too long since I've looked that up, since I've opened it up in the Bible, uh, opened up the Bible and, and really looked it up. And that means that when I do start to do that, and then when I start looking up definitions for the word and I start looking up the Hebrew and the Greek meaning, it becomes like this adventure for buried treasure in the word. And then it starts getting really exciting and it's like, oh my goodness, it, it opens up and it just becomes better and better and better to where you're not going to bed until like it's way too late and in the morning you're going why did I stay up so late so 
we're going to go ahead and get started. So, first of all, for those of you that like to take notes, this would be like Roman numeral one. And so the first thing we're going to do is we're going to define holy. Because if I say, what does holy mean? Some of you might say, oh, you mean holy like angels are holy and they have like a halo on their head. And some of the others of you might say, oh, holy, like you know, my new jeans. You like them? Don't I look cute? <laughs> But some of the others of you might say, holy, oh, you mean like purity, like, oh, my goodness, what I will never get to attain to. So what does the word say holiness means? So for that, we're going to look up two scriptures, one in the Old Testament, Leviticus 11.44, and one in the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. First, in the Old Testament, Leviticus 11. 44, where the Lord says, I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. So when we look at that verse and we take it in context, we realize that the Lord is talking to Aaron and Moses, and he's giving them dietary laws, what sort of animals and birds and critters they're supposed to eat and not eat. He uses the word sanctify because he he wants to give them dietary practices that are going to cause them to separate and to be different, noticeably different from the people that are living around them. Now, I'm like a word geek. And so I looked up this word holy in Strong's Concordance in the Hebrew and it was both a verb and a noun. So as, it, as a verb, it describes something that is done ceremonially. It can also be something that's done morally, but in this case, it's something that's done ceremonially. I want you to not eat these particular animals, or I want you to eat these particular Now, as a noun in this particular usage, person, place, or thing, it refers to God because God is a person. So, as a verb, an action, something done ceremonially, as a noun, it could be taken as sacred. As a noun, it definitely is referring to God. So, moving on to the New Testament... And this is setting the groundwork. I know it's not that interesting, but then neither is putting on your makeup in the morning when you first start, okay? So set the groundwork. You're going to look much better when it's all done. The study is going to make much more sense when it's all done. Okay, so in the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, Peter was saying, just like he who has called you is holy, be yourselves also holy. In all manner of living. I love it. Whenever the Bible says all, I always take, I mark up my Bibles. I always take a little red pen and circle it. In all manner of living. Because there's no wiggle room where it says all. Because it is written, you shall be holy, God says, for I am holy. In the Greek... Holy denotes purity from defilement. Okay, that kind of sounds the same. But boy, it goes on to mean a whole lot more. Physically pure, morally blameless, 
ceremonially consecrated. Okay, that kind of sounds like that verb back there in the Old Testament. It means to be chaste, to be clean, to be pure. I'm getting overwhelmed. Are you? I'm going like, okay, not me, even on my best days. It means, and here again, remember the noun in the Old Testament referring to a person? It means saint. Now, we have to understand, we have to all be on the same page with what the word holy means in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament. So this word holy is a verb. It means an action that takes place, whether in the Old Testament, a ceremony that takes place. It can mean a noun which describes God or it describes a saint as well as describing a state of being, something being sacred, something being pure from defilement. Moving on, for those of you that like to take notes, to Roman numeral two. If we look for a perfect example of who is holy... Of course, we look to God. And so here again, two references, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 3. And also in the New Testament, Revelations chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. Again, this is just setting the stage. In Isaiah, we have multiple witnesses. There's the human witness, Isaiah, but then there's the supernatural witnesses, and it's the seraphim. You guys are familiar with this when I begin to read it. In the year that King Uzziah died, I, Isaiah is speaking, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, and his train filled the temple, high and lifted up. Above it stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And so when I, the word geek, looked it up, I found that in Hebrew, the word for holy was the same as in Leviticus 11. It was the noun referring to God, referring to God. It was the same definition. In the New Testament, Revelations 15, verse 1 through 4, all human witnesses, countless. The first was the Apostle John. He's the author. But then many human witnesses, the martyrs. Those witnesses who did not go up in the rapture, but who died for their faith because they did not take the mark of the beast and were martyred because they did not take the mark of the beast. They were martyred for their faith in Jesus Christ. John says in verse 1, I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them, the wrath of God, those plagues, is complete. 
and I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those who have victory over the beast, over his image, over his mark, over the number of his name, they didn't take it. Standing on that sea of glass, having harps of God. Have you ever wondered where they got that picture? That when we got to heaven, we'd be like floating on clouds playing harps? This is the scripture. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints, who shall not reverence you, O Lord, and glorify your name, for you alone are holy, and all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. In the Strong's, the Greek for that word holy is divine character and intrinsic right. You see, God alone has the intrinsic right to be called holy because his divine character embodies holiness. He is holy. It is not one of his characteristics. He is holiness in totality. So we have the definition of holy from Leviticus 11 and 1 Peter chapter 1. It's a verb with an action taken, ceremonially consecrated, Sanctified, set apart. It's a state of being, pure from defilement. And thirdly, it's a person, God. And in the New Testament, a saint. Secondly, we have the perfect example of holy in God in Isaiah 6. And in Revelation 15, confirmed by multiple witnesses. But before we move on to Roman numeral 3, I want to do a little confession about what I thought about holiness. (laughs) What I used to think about it, you know, I wasn't really all that comfortable about, you know, when people would talk about holiness. You know, as I was growing up as a Christian, I couldn't wrap my mind around holiness. You know, uh, when we would hear about characteristics, godly characteristics like Mary, you know, uh, you, you really ought to be more patient. Okay, I can understand patience. And so, therefore, as my children were growing up or as I was trying to work with a coworker, I could understand that I needed to be patient. And so I would say, oh, Lord, please make me more patient. But when you talk about holy, God is holy. That's like sinless. And so I must confess, I never prayed. Today, God, make me holy. (laughs) It was just like too strange. Couldn't wrap my mind around it. Too different. 
too unfamiliar, just shoes didn't fit. Too big, too much, too foreign. So, Roman numeral three has to be, what was in God's mind when he over and over and over again, from Genesis to Revelations, is telling us, be holy. Why is it such a big deal to him? Hold that thought. Roman numeral three, for those of you that like to take notes. I'm rarely so organized. (laughs) I love it. Okay, anyhow. As with everything else in the Bible, it started back in Genesis (laughs) 1-1. No, really, it did. Okay. Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is God's purpose for holiness. Genesis 1.26. God, Elohim, the triune God, said, Let us make man in our image. Verse 27. So God created man in his image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. But in what way? Not omniscient. They proved that in just a couple of chapters. Not omnipotent. Not all-powerful. You all know. He created mankind with a free will. He gave to them the ability to make choices. As Genesis 1 goes on, verses 28 through 30, God blessed them, provided for them abundantly. He said to them, be fruitful, multiply. He gave them herbs, fruit, meat, veggies. He gave them everything that they would need. He created them. He gave them choice. He provided for them everything. And then in Genesis 3, 8, we read that Adam and Eve, they heard the voice of the Lord God. He was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And in verse 9, the Lord God called to them. He spoke with them. He called out to Adam, where are you? Bingo. There's your answer. What was God's purpose for holiness? Relationship. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Why? Did you ever read that and wonder why? Could it be that God brought into existence... Out of nothingness, the Hebrew word is bara, to create out of nothingness. 
a world that would support human life so that 26 verses later, God could create a man and a woman out of existing material, asa, the Hebrew word is asa. He created a world that would support human life so that he could create a man and a woman in his own image with a free will, with the ability to make choices, so that he could bless them and give them everything they would need. You see, God is love. And he wanted to be able to pour his love into something. He desired interaction. He desired to talk to someone, to walk with someone, to interact with someone. And he gave to Adam and Eve the freedom to choose to respond to his love. I've created you. I love you. I've blessed you. I've seen to all your needs. And I've provided for you. Will you walk with me in the garden? Let's, let's talk a while in the cool of the days. Have you ever wondered what it must have been like to walk with the God of all creation? You know, I think sometimes God must have a sense of humor. Have you ever looked at a platypus? Or a manatee or a gnu? A dodo bird? What must it have been like to walk with the Creator? in the garden, in the cool of the day. It's called relationship. So first, it started with Adam in the garden. But we know how that story goes, and so after that relationship was lost. Second, It picked up again with a covenant made with a man named Abram. This covenant was made with Abram, his offspring, the children of Israel. The story in the Old Testament goes on to tell us that story. And then that covenant was lost. There were 400 years of silence. And then it was picked up again in the New Testament with a new covenant that came when God himself came to earth with a new covenant. And that's the one we partake of. Yep, began with Adam in the Garden of Eden. You see, God didn't need to tell Adam, be holy, for I am holy, because Adam was created with a living spirit, soul, and body. Adam did have a relationship with God as soon as he was created. He did walk with God. He did talk with God until he chose sin instead of relationship. And Adam's spirit died. 
from that time on. He was now run by body desires and the soul, but his spirit was dead within him. The wages of sin is death, and death entered the human race. And like a defective gene or a defective strand of DNA passed on, that dead spirit is something all of Adam's descendants have been born with. And that's why we all die. Why does the body stop reproducing and healing itself? David knew that. Psalm 51.5, he says, We're all born in sin, shaping in iniquity. And if you don't believe that, do what I did this morning. Spend a morning with my grandson. I love him to pieces, but oh my goodness, you know, he'll just, he is the most rebellious little thing, and then he'll just look at you and smile and melt your heart and then turn right around and just be so rebellious again. I love him. If you ever met him, he'll just steal your heart. Okay, anyhow, so God's purpose for holiness, A, the relationship with Adam. He didn't need to tell Adam to be holy. He was until he chose to put his will first and disobeyed and broke relationship. Now, Eve was snookered, okay? She was deceived. She was lied to, okay? Uh, B, the relationship came through Abraham, and I have to say, God's covenant with those children of Israel, oh, my goodness, what a covenant. I'll tell you, sometimes when it doesn't seem like there's going to be enough money to pay all the bills, I just say, God, I really want that covenant you gave to the children of Israel, because he said, if you will just, if you will just have relationship with me, if you will sanctify yourselves, if you will just obey, you know, these rules. Um, I'll give you health. I'll give you wealth. I'll give you victory in battle. I'll defeat your enemies. I'll give you children. Your quiver will be full. Your crops will grow. Your herds will multiply. I want to bless you. Just sanctify yourself. Separate yourselves from the other people so that they'll know that you are mine. Come away from those who worship other gods unto me. Do these ceremonial practices. They'll keep you safe. Do these moral practices. They'll keep you safe. Well, as a matter of fact, you know, uh, we were looking at the verse in uh, Leviticus 11:44, but you can almost hear his heart uh, if you look back at Leviticus 11, verses uh, 43. 3, 44, 45, where he says, um, don't make yourselves abominable, verse 43, with any creeping thing. And that word abominable means don't become filthy and polluted. They were worshiping creeping things. So that word in Hebrew means clean yourself, purify yourself morally, ceremonially, consecrate yourself, dedicate yourself to me. Don't worship these other gods. And he tells them why in verse 44, for I am Jehovah, your God. That's why sanctify yourself. But in verse 45, my heart breaks when I read it because I hear God saying, for this is the reason why 
I'm the Lord. I brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Remember, you were slaves. You cried out to me. You were starving. Your families were ripped apart. You were being beaten. Remember, you were crying out to me. I brought you out to be your God. So be holy. Have that relationship with me. But although he promised them so much, and he did, listen to the prophets, read the prophets. He said, if, if you'll do this, I'll do this. And he gave them so many chances, and he forgave them so many times, and he restored them so many times, and he warned them so many times. But just like Eve, over and over again, they believed a lie. Because their flesh would say, oh, but look, what they have looks so good, and I want it. So whether it was something physical, yeah, but I can see that walking over there, and it looks so much better, and I can have it right now. Or maybe it was something emotional. Yeah, but it's here, and you're not, God. Or maybe it was some sort of security. Or maybe it was some kind of excitement. Or maybe it was a lie of the enemy saying, Oh, God's withholding from you. He's not, he doesn't care. You know, he's withholding the best. You can get it on your own. Has God truly said? So like Eve, they believed a lie. Or maybe like Adam. I want to make my own decisions. Or maybe it's blatant rebellion. (laughs) Frankly, I don't care what God says. Or maybe it's, um, I just have to make a quick decision. I have waited, I have waited, I have waited, and God hasn't told me, and I just, I've waited it. I've got to make a decision now. It's still rebellion. Or maybe it's the, I just hope I don't get caught. I'll repent tomorrow before I go to church. It's still rebellion. So so whether it's like Eve, oh, it looks so good to the eyes. I just have to have it. Or it looks so good to eat the lust of the flesh. Or what did Satan tell her? It will make you wise. Oh, yeah, it will. The pride of life. So whether it's the deceit, or whether it's the rebellion, the children of Israel ended up becoming just like the nations around them. And one little compromise, what did they end up? One little compromise, one little compromise, one little compromise. They ended up roasting their children in the heated up arms of the false idol Baal, just like the nations around them to where they looked They fit in, and they looked just like the people around them. Until God said, I've wooed you, I've chastened you, I've brought you back. Okay, you can have what you've chosen. And there were 400 years of silence. I had that happen to me once, where God said, Mary, you know enough. I've dealt with you enough on this subject. 
You know enough. I'm done talking to you. Oh, my goodness. It so freaked me out. I was sitting on the edge of my bed. I was having a pity party. I was crying, crying, crying. And I was so freaked out by that very still, quiet voice and realizing what he meant that I literally, this is not going to look too cute, but that's okay because I just was like this and I was living in a very small place. And so my bathroom was literally, okay, it was a very small place. My bathroom was was literally this far away from my bed and I literally didn't even straighten up. I went right over to the sink and went, sorry, 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 sorry. Like that because I was so freaked out that God had said, that's it. So, never want to be in that place. So, God's purpose for being holy, relationship. A, begins with Adam. B, second try with Abraham and the children of Israel. C, define relationship. And why am I doing it now? Because D will be the third try, and that's in Jesus. But C, let's define relationship. Because here again, we all want to be on the same page when it talks about relationship. So, relationship has three things. Relationship is the way in which two or more people do these three things. Talk to, number two, behave towards, and number three, deal with each other. One, talk to. That is an exchange of thoughts, information, and feelings. Thoughts, information, and feelings. Secondly, behave towards. That's how you're going, one is going to conduct oneself in a relationship with others. Oh, we do it all the time. You know, you're sizing up the other person and you're going, okay, I need to be reserved around this person. Or you're around someone else and you're going, oh, I can be my old goofy self around them. So, talk to, behave towards. The third one is deal with each other. That one is taking action in order to achieve something. Interesting. That's kind of confusing until you look at the little words underneath. Kinship and linkage. Take action in order to achieve something. Kinship and linkage. Hmm. Our kinship and our linkage with God had been broken, hadn't it? Yeah. How? Again, Genesis 3, 6, Adam chose to rebel. He chose to disobey. He didn't realize what he was getting into when he chose to disobey. Do we ever? So God took action 
in order to achieve something. He knew what was going to happen before Genesis 1-1. Before he ever created Adam, he knew what was going to happen. But God's action in order to achieve something, John 3.16, that was the culmination. He himself came down to this earth. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, pretty awesome. Now, how about God's, that was how God dealt with us. Now, how did God behave towards us? That was number two, behave towards us. How was he going to conduct himself in his relationship towards us? Because remember, God always makes the first move. In Jeremiah 31.3, in the Old Testament, we have Old Testament and New Testament, Jeremiah said, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, that's the reason, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. See, I knew you and I loved you before the worlds were created. I knew you before you were ever a thought. I've seen your upsitting, your uprising and your downsitting. I know all your mistakes, all your failures, and I've loved you. Therefore, with loving kindness, not I'm going to beat the sin out of you and I'm going to get tired of you if you keep blowing it again. No, no, no. I've loved you with an everlasting love and therefore with loving kindness. I have drawn you. This plan of mine has been everlasting to enter into relationship with you. In the New Testament, Romans 2.4. I mean, there are countless scriptures you can pick. It is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Still looking at how God behaves towards us. Is he going to change? Maybe he's just having a good day. Because aren't we kind of afraid of that? Okay, I've had a good week. God's going to be good. Have a good attitude towards me. Okay, but I really blew it today, so maybe he's going to be kind of bummed at me. Old Testament, Malachi 3, 6. I am the Lord. I change not. You change. I don't change. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, tomorrow. Oh, thank you, Lord. His mercies are renewed every morning. So 
What about number one? The way in which exchanging thoughts and feelings, information. Isaiah 1.18. Come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. People find that word sin offensive, and yet I don't because I, I love to read, and I, I knew, even before the King James, that um, it was an old English word used in archery, meaning miss the mark. And when I first heard the gospel, I knew that I had done things wrong. Duh! And that my righteousness on the best day wouldn't get me into heaven. I knew I needed someone to take my sins. So when I heard that Jesus had died in my place and that he, if I would just accept his gift of salvation, that he would go before his father, the the judge, (laughs) and say, look at her. I am willing to stand in her place and declare her as paid in her debt as paid in full and assume all my sin upon himself. I said, oh, God, please. And thank you, Jesus. I mean, it just blew my mind that he would do that for me. Who would do that for me? Who would do that for me? Who would love me that way? No one would do that for me. Though your sins be red as scarlet. He who is holy became sin for all of us so that we could have relationship forever. So the third try for relationship in Jesus, D, if you're doing A, B, C, D, So remember my little confession that I never prayed to be holy because that was just like too weird. (laughs) And so maybe. I'm so glad Trudy's not here. (laughs) She probably got saved and by the second week was going, oh, Lord, make me holy. (laughs) And you're probably out there going, oh, my goodness, who is this flesh monster teaching us tonight? But, okay. But anyhow, um... It's because I didn't realize the scope behind that word. You know, it's not just be holy as I am holy. Okay, that means that I can never do anything wrong again. You know, that's not what it means. There's so much more to it. It would make a great retreat. But I hope to, like, tickle your spiritual taste buds. And a little bit of time remaining. What time are we supposed to be out of here by? 
By when? Oh, good. I think we'll make it then. Okay. So, um, so many people think, okay, I got saved. That's it. Hallelujah. I have my ticket to heaven. And that's what Christianity is all about. But I just want to say it is so not. There are so many that just think, okay, I got saved. So Sunday, I'm going to come in. I'm going to, you know, drop my tithe in the bucket so that the pastor can drive a new car. And man, I'll tell you, if I serve in the children's ministry, I ought to get a, you know, a badge or something. And, um, you know, that's all that Christianity is about. No, 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 that's not. That's like just barely looking in the in, in a little peak hole of what God has for us. And so we're going to randomly. OK, well, obviously it's not randomly because look. Oh, <laughs> but if you want to open up in your Bible to Second Peter, chapter one, we're going to look at four verses because in light of some of these definitions that I've been giving you, giving you, let's just look at these four verses, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. And you're going to see how full they are and see what God has for us, that you have to be saved to be able to understand. And especially two things that we're going to see that God has for the believer. Simon Peter, a servant, well, first of all, stop right there, a servant and an apostle of Christ Jesus. That word servant, another word for servant is Lord. And you know what? Remember that sinner's prayer? What did I pray that day? I went, oh, Lord, take my life. And when I said that, I was yielding the sovereignty of my life over to God because It's not like I'm an idiot. I went to college. I had been trying to make good choices for my life, but I'm like a human. I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. And so as good as the choices I was trying to make, wrong choice, right choice, wrong choice, wrong choice, wrong choice, right choice. Oh, he was the wrong choice. (laughs) Right choice, right, stupid, right, you know, and stuff. And You know, you try to do what's wise. You don't. You muck up your life. And so by the time I heard the message, I'm just going, Lord, I've tried and I have just like beaten myself up and made a mess of it. So you know what, God? Be my Lord. And when I wake up tomorrow morning, be my Lord. And Holy Spirit, You show me what you want me to do today. So a servant, lordship, okay, of Jesus Christ to them who have obtained like precious faith with us. How? Through the righteousness of God. That faith is a gift, Ephesians 2.8. It's not anything I drummed up. It's not like I sat there and went, you know, I'm going to get saved. I can do this. No, no, no. It was a gift from God. He went, oh, this one needs it. Go ahead. Go for it. Go forward. Go forward. And I just sprang out of my seat. I didn't care if no one else in that room went forward. I knew I needed it. And you know what? The righteousness of God. And here's the thing. 
When I went forward, I didn't realize I was carrying a weight of sin on my back. I kid you not, when I prayed the sinner's prayer, it was as if a, a, like 20 pounds went off my shoulder. I was like, whoa. You know? And the righteousness of God is placed upon us. Our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Oh my goodness, you guys are going to love this. Grace, in Greek, it is the divine influence of God upon the heart. It is the gift of God. It's his joy. And it's all the benefits of God there in your heart. And that reflection of his joy and his benefits in your life that others are going to be able to see. Let that grace and peace, this peace in, um, in the Greek means, oh, it's to take one and to put one at rest and to put one at quietness. No more striving. No more having that sense of fear that what if, that if only, that oh, but instead, and I love it because Jesus, when he said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. You know when he said that? It was at the Last Supper when he was facing days wherein he was going to be accused, hauled away, stripped, tortured, beaten, crucified, mocked, taken the weight of the world's sin, separated from God for the first time in eternity, plunged into hell for the joy that was set before him. He endured these things. For what? A relationship with me? Honey, I'm not, I'm not that great. But he would have done it for just me. He would have done it for just you. For just you. For just you. And with that ahead of him, I tell you, I get stressed out if I have to bake cookies, you know, for Sunday school. And he's facing that, and he is at peace. And he says to the disciples, my peace I give to you. So when Peter says grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and Jesus, but the title is different now, our Lord, are you submitted is he your Lord? Or are you saying, I'm making my own decisions, baby, because I don't like his decisions. According as his divine power, that's the Holy Spirit, has already, already done, given unto us all things. And I love that. All 
everything in total that pertain unto life and godliness. I love it. John 10.10. 10. I've come that they might have life. Not squeaking by, not skinning your teeth. And that more abundantly. Oh, yeah, I don't want my life. I want the life he gives. How? Through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Ooh, interesting. That's the second time he's talked about knowledge. Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God in verse 2. Through the knowledge of him who has called us to glory and virtue, verse 3. Knowledge, knowledge, to be fully acquainted with. I'm preaching to the choir. That's why you guys are here. You're growing. Yay! Pat yourself on the back. Go ahead. Seriously, pat the person next to you. You're doing good, girl. Okay. But this is very interesting. Unto him that hath called us. What's he called us to? All the time I'm getting the question, what does God have for me? Am I going to be married? Am I going to go to college? Am I going to live on the East Coast? Am I going to live on the West Coast? Am I going to have a house? Am I going to, am I going to, am I going to? I don't know. Do I look like the Holy Spirit? But this I do know. God has called us to glory and virtue. This I know. Glory and virtue. Good grief. What does that mean? Look it up. Glory. It is to have a reputation characterized by honor and dignity. Oy vey. Okay, I guess I'm going to get that if I... It, if I kind of do this, um, being close to him thing and walking in the Holy Spirit, okay, I guess it's kind of kind of come naturally. It's not like I'm going to go, okay, God, give me honor. No. Abide in me and I in you. Read that chapter. We'll close with it. And if we will walk in obedience to the Holy Spirit, he's going to change our character. And we are going to find that we will grow into it effortlessly as he changes us. But I really want to look at this word virtue. Because virtue means both valor and excellence. This word valor, particularly in light of Friday, is something we're going to need more of, ladies. It means strength and bravery. It's almost a masculine word. And I'll tell you, we are going to need that more. Strength. I think of the words, the scriptures where it says, be steadfast. I think of the scriptures where it says, Ephesians 6, putting on the whole armor of God. We need to be brave. We don't need to be obnoxious. It doesn't say that. But it does say that we need to be brave. It does say that we need to be steadfast. Because, ladies, we are called to have a reputation characterized by honor and dignity. We are called to have virtue, to be 
walking excellence and to have valor, strength, and bravery. Uh, How are we going to do that? Whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises. That's how we're going to do it. He gives us the promises. That therein you might be, and here's the key of everything, partakers of the divine nature. That's the whole key to God saving us, giving us the Holy Spirit, which is going to be the teacher, which is going to just open up the word of God to us so that we can be filled with knowledge. That's going to give us the power to be changed so that we can be partakers of God's divine nature. He wants to share his very nature with us. I don't know about you guys. I cannot wrap my mind around it. But that's what he says. He's called us to glory and virtue that we might be partakers of the divine nature. God wants to share his very self with us. Okay, this doesn't have anything to do with Shirley What's-Her-Face. The God in me bows to the God in you. By the way, when Angelina Jolie does this, it looks really hip because Angelina Jolie is doing it. And we all want to be as skinny as Angelina Jolie. Okay, or at least have her lips and her eyes. Okay, don't do this. Because actually what that is saying is the God in me bows to the God in you. No, no, no. The God in, okay. My God died on a cross to take away my sin so that I might be able to come with boldness into his throne room and say, Abba, Father, you love me, and I respond to that love. I don't want the life that I had that I goofed up on my own, and I get so just tempted by my flesh. I see those things, and I want them. I lust after those things, and I want them because I'm still caught in this flesh with those habits of sin, and sometimes they scream louder, so I have to get into the word a lot. And sometimes I get those suggestions. They just smell like sulfur. Oh, they make so much sense, and they're just the lies from the pit. Ooh! It's a good thing I hate the smell of sulfur. (laughs) But, oh, Lord, you love me so much. You want me to be a partaker of the divine nature. Help me to escape the corruption that's in the world through lust. I'm a new creation. Old things are passed away. And this girl is new creation in you. Right? So, I have just a couple of things. Salvation isn't the beginning and end. Pressing into Jesus and being partakers of the divine nature. That's what it's all about. So, I did pick just a couple of scriptures that I wanted to read to you in light of all that we've been talking about.
Romans, and I'm going to um, do it with application, changing the words a little. Romans 1.7, to all the saints in Pasadena, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Obedience, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want that grace and peace. Obedience. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1-2. Unto the church of God, which is at Pasadena, to them that are the sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. Called to be saints. That's your noun. That's who you are. 1 Thessalonians 5. Verses 23 and 24. And the God of peace sanctify you wholly. Faithful is he that's called you. Who will also do it? He will do it. Not you. Don't sweat it. You just need to stay in the word. Be obedient and say, God. It's your work in me. I'll be obedient. I'll stay in your word. But it's your word. He will do it. Go home and read John 15. Because you know what? It's not that you have to run after holiness. God ran after you. God did everything. And in John 15, I'm not going to read everything, just what pertains to tonight's study. With that exchange of ideas and feelings and information. I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. Verse 3. Now you're clean. Through the word I've spoken to you, there's that restoration of kinship. Abide in me. Press into him. And I in you. Verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. He'll do the work in your life. So shall you be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. The God of the universe is speaking to you, ladies. Go out and look at those stars. He's speaking to you. Continue in my love. Verse 9. If there's your choice, God the Father, God the Son, they're gentlemen. They won't cram anything down your throat. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Even as I kept my father's commandments, see, as a man, he had a choice. And abide in his love. These things I've spoken unto you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. 
Henceforth, I don't call you servants. A servant doesn't know what his Lord does. But I've called you friends. For all, all that I have heard of my Father, I've made known to you. Cool. I'm so humbled, God. I'm so humbled that you chose to set your love on me. And I thank God so many of us are saying this because it doesn't make sense. But we thank you for it. As John said, We love you because you first loved us and you reached out to us and you gave us the faith to understand and to reach out. It's just we will never understand until we see you face to face, but we can say thank you by faith. So just with all these things, May we live it, Lord, and just understand it a little better each day as you make it come to happen in our life. Make it so, Lord, make it so as we lean into you more and more each day. Just perfect, God, what you have for each of us more and more each day because you created us. And you know what's best for each of us because we're all different. We're all individuals. And you work with us each as individuals. Thank you for loving us so much. And while everyone has their eyes closed and their heads still bowed, if there is anyone who was invited and, and doesn't really know what I'm talking about because maybe you've never, you've never asked Jesus to, to, um, to forgive you your sins. Um, you know, you've missed the mark. You know, you know that you wouldn't, you, you don't have that confidence. If you were to, something were to happen to you tonight, you know, maybe you got into a car accident on the way home or, you know, ate some chicken and choked on a chicken bone tonight. I mean, it's funny, but people actually do have these things happen. But if you were to die tonight and you don't have full confidence that you know where you would be if you died tonight and you you would like to remedy that, you, you would like to know that when you opened your eyes, it would be to see God face smiling upon you and saying, I love you, your, your sins have been washed away by my son Jesus because you chose to believe that he died for all your sins. If you want to ask him into your heart, would you just raise your hand while, while everyone's eyes are closed and, and everyone's heads are bowed? Just raise your hand, I'm the only one. I see your hand and I see your hand. Is there anyone else? 
Okay. Okay. Well, let us all just pray that same prayer that I prayed all those years ago. And let's all just say it together with these, um, with these two young ladies, okay? Because it's such a wonderful prayer. Repeat after me. Jesus, I come before you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died for my sins. I want you to wash them all away. I want you to give me a brand new start. From now on, Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to love me. I want you to give me a new life. I need your blessing. I want to go to heaven. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.